Welcome to the Rock Church Audio Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. Rock Church is located on Harrison Avenue between Mulford and Perryville Roads in Rockford, Illinois. Now let's join Pastor Jared with today's message. Turn with me, and I'm going to give you uh, two scriptures to begin with today as we look at Advent and uh, the theme of God's love. John 3.16, and then I want to give you a second one, 1 John 4.9. So you can, put your, you can turn to one, put your finger in the other, and uh, as you're doing that, uh, on behalf of our staff, let me thank you for uh, the offering that was received uh, last week as a, as a Christmas bonus for um, our staff and uh, everyone who works around here, thank you for your generosity. It was um, a blessing, um, an encouragement, and uh, thank you for uh, your generous hearts again today. And uh, we're grateful. Uh, for um, the many ways that you support and encourage us and serve alongside of us as a family here at Rock Church. John 3.16, let's read this and then we'll read 1 John 4.9. You know this one, it's very familiar, right? You may not even need to look at your Bibles. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. In 1 John 4, 9, John writes on this theme again, and he, uh, he gives us some of the same content, but then he also adds to it and gives us really kind of uh, the way that we are to respond to God's love. He says, In this the love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might have life through Him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for Your Word today. I thank You, Lord, for Your love. (laughs) And um, Lord, I pray that um, as we've encountered Your love through worship, I pray that we would now encounter it through Your Word. And uh, Lord, open our eyes to see the depth and the substance and the unfailing attributes of your love towards us. And I thank you for it now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Before I really dig down and get into it, I, I, I want you to kind of comprehend what makes this Sunday a little bit different than the previous three Sundays on our Advent journey. We've looked at the themes of hope and peace and joy. They were all associated with the birth of our Lord. They are all things that um, Advent reminds us that we need to prepare room in our hearts for these things because they are given to us by the child who was born, the child who became an adult, lived on this world, ministered, died on a cross, and rose again. And he did that so that we could have hope and peace and joy. And now this Sunday is just a little bit different in the sense that 
the theme of love reveals the motivation in regards to why God did what He did. He did it because He loved us. And it, it, it kind of moves us to a two-part response. We are still to prepare room in our hearts for the love of God. And, and we did that in worship this morning. You know, gifts are given, but gifts are also received. And the Lord is speaking to us, I want to give you something today. And, and the appropriate response for us is, Lord, I receive what you want to give. But the, the, the response this morning that's a little bit different is this. As we receive, and as we comprehend, and as we come to experience the manifest love of God, there is a response that's not only to prepare room for it, but there is a response of awe <laughs> in regards to what God has done because He loves us. And, and then that's what, that's what John is adding to the response in, his, in, in that text in 1 John where he says, uh, in this, God's love is manifest towards us. When John writes about the love of God, he writes about it in this way. He says, I'm telling you these things because as I contemplate them, I am responding in awe. I am astounded because God has given us what we don't deserve. And He has done it because He loves us. And that's true for each and every one of us. No matter where we've come from, no matter what we have done, God in His love comes near to us. And He says, in Me is all that you need. And if you receive Me, you'll have more than you need. That's astounding. That's awe-inspiring. That is astonishing. Astonishing. Here's my, my fear over what we're going to talk about today. It's so familiar, we don't believe it has power. So like when I said turn to John 3.16 today, what was kind of the first response of your heart? Oh, I know that one. Yeah, I know that one. You know, there's an old saying that, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, right? Um, it's a part of the reason why some people walk around this community and say there's nothing good about Rockford. <laughs> you know, uh, they see it every day. They, 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 you know, certain things have just become normal. They've allowed their vision for our community to be defined by headlines and what other things and things that do need to improve. And, 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 and in doing that, they become absent-minded about all of the incredible things that we are surrounded with each and every day. Rockford literally is a city that blesses the world. That's been our heritage where there are things that come from Rockford that make the world work. And it's because you get up 
out of bed every day and you go to work and you make things and you create things and those things that you do bless the world. Let me give you an, a, a story that illustrates this. It was told to me by my grandfather when I was just a little boy and I'll never forget it. My grandfather was Army Infantry in World War II. And there was a portion of time where his unit attached to Patton's armored division and they were, they were pressing into Europe at a quick pace. And he told me a story of a day they, they liberated a French town. And this was before the Battle of the Bulge. And my grandfather was a part of an army unit that cleared a factory. It was a sock-making factory. And they cleared it, and they secured it, and as he stayed there in his post, he looked at this massive machine that made socks, and on the side of it, it said, Made in Rockford, Illinois. You know, familiarity breeds contempt, and that happens in kind of a, a, a daily way for us, but it also happens in a spiritual way where we become so familiar with certain things that we just kind of give them a cursory glance. And, we, and in doing so, we don't really come to grasp the substance of what the Lord is teaching us and what He has done for us. And today, I, I just believe... That as we talk about the love of God, the Lord is not wanting us to just say, you know what, I'm familiar with that. But he's wanting us to say, you know what, I've experienced it again today. I've experienced it again today. The love of God is fundamental to the Christian faith. It is, it is a, a force that works within us as we follow Christ and it changes the way that we define and we experience love. Because it's not just this cursory thing, but it's something that we encounter. You see, from the time that we are, are, are young, we are taught that, that love is found in a person, a place, or a thing that exists in this world. And, and, and because of that, there are things that we become attached to. There are things that we develop an affinity for. It might be a person in the sense that we just say, well, you know what, if I was with that person, then I would, I would feel loved, I would feel whole, I would feel complete. It's something that we are taught that uh, it's found in a place. Because of that, we, we, we develop attachments to places where we have experiences. And, and we, we have these types of responses that say things like, I love Tennessee. And that's me talking. Because I do love Tennessee. Because I've had some wonderful vacation experiences with my immediate family and my extended family. 
in the Smoky Mountains, and I love the Smoky Mountains, and I love to hike up into the Smoky Mountains and see all these remote waterfalls. And I even love having encounters with bears. You know, so when I look back upon those moments, you know, the response of my heart is, you know, I love that place because of, of, of what I've experienced there. We're taught that. It might be a thing. We develop an attachment or an affinity for certain things. This time of year, you might be seeing what I love, you know, Grandma's Christmas cookies. Or I love the chocolate that ends up in my stocking or, you know, whatever the case might be. But the love of God changes the way and it redefines the way that we experience love because it is no longer found in an earthly thing. It's no longer found in a person, in a place, or a thing. But rather, we become anchored in the love of God which is perfect, unmovable, and unchanging. And that resolves a lot of issues in our lives when we are anchored in a love that only originates in God and we understand that the love of earthly things becomes secondary to that. changes everything. The love that we are drawn into is one that is not related to a noun. For those of you grammar lovers, right? Person, place, or thing. Rather, it is a love that originates in the one who is love because, God, because the Scripture says that God is love. So here's, here's a takeaway for this morning. I want you to walk away with this as you think about the love of God, okay? It is no longer something that is defined by an earthly thing, but rather it is a part of your identity. God is love. When you put your faith in Him, he dwells within you. And because of that, His love at work in your life becomes a part of your identity in Him. Which means this. It's no longer earned. But it's been freely given. You know, for those of you that walked in the door today thinking, I have got to do X, Y, Z to earn God's love. He's reminding you today on this Advent Sunday that He loves you just as you are. You can't earn it, but you must respond to it. And my hope today is this. What we are about to dig into would generate a response in your heart. Because, you know, whenever we look at the Word of God, it can create 
several different types of responses. You know, sometimes it gives us instruction in the responses to, to do a certain thing, to apply a certain thing. Sometimes when we read it, it generates a response of conviction where we say, you know what, I've been taking steps in the wrong direction and God is drawing me back to where He wants me to be. But today, as we look at the love of God, my prayer is that your response would be this. Lord, I see it and I comprehend it. And it has filled me. And because of that, I stand in awe of you. Because God's love is awe-inspiring. Let me give you one more verse from John. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold the manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Behold. <laughs> Astounding awe-inspiring, unimaginable, breathtaking. So why should the love of God elicit that kind of response in us? Well, it's because His love is generous. It's generous. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave. That He gave. God's love is generous in the sense that it is incomparable. Uh, there is no amount of anything in this world that can compare to the generosity that God has revealed in the giving of His Son to us. And what John is trying to help us understand in the middle of this very familiar verse is that he is not just referring to the amount of love, but rather he is also referring to a way of loving. You see, there's, there's two different ways that we need to think about this word gave or give. And, and, and the one that we respond to immediately is we think about the amount, right? When we think about giving, we think about amounts. We think about worth. We think about value. And, and, and that is a part of this, and, and that is clearly defined in the verse itself. But John is also wanting us to understand that the Lord is not just demonstrating love by the the worth of what he gave, but he is also demonstrating his love in the way that he gave it. Because in that, there is an example that is given to us that we are to implement into our own lives. The way that he gave, the Greek indicates, was something that was defined by intensity and activity. In other words, God saw our need and He did something and He did it with urgency. That is a part of the way that He gave. So that is to be kind of a defining attribute of our walk with Him is that when He calls our hearts to respond in love, 
We do it with intensity. We do it with urgency. And we do not delay in regards to whatever activity He is calling us to undertake. So John is talking about both a a measure of love and a way of love. God was generous in that He loved and He gave. And He clearly gave in these ways as He gave His Son. He gave sacrificially. That's the value. That's the amount. He gave His Son. There was a cost. He gave His best. His only Son. John declares. And then He gave for a specific reason. To redeem and to restore mankind. This is the reason why John tells us that in the love of God there is found life. Because the Lord responded with intensity and urgency to our need and He met the need with abundance because He gave His best. He gave His all. He gave for a specific reason. All so that you could know Him. All so that you could know Him. That was the motive. The Lord looked down from heaven and He saw us in our lostness and He said, I cannot sit back and do nothing. Because I love them. You know, I want you to know today that God not only wants you to know Him, but He wants you to know Him more. So we come into a relationship with Him because of His love, but then as we walk with Him, He wants us to know Him more every day. And because of that, God's love is not only generous, but God's love pursues us. It pursues us. It chases. Follows us. It's, 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 it's all around us. <laughs> Wanting to be the catalyst for knowing Him more each and every day. You see, at Christmas time, we celebrate the incarnation. The incarnation. Might be a word that you're familiar with. And if you're not, it's just a, a word that is, you know, kind of theological, I guess you could say, maybe uh, in its uh, designation, but it just simply symbolizes that God became a man. He came down he lowered himself christ left the glory of heaven and came to a broken world and he was fully god he was fully man because of that 
He identifies with our need. We have an advocate that we can go to who is not ignorant of the devices of this world and the challenges that we face because He overcame every one of them. But that incarnation, it very clearly reveals to us that God wants to be at work in us to the degree that the God of the Bible who left heaven and came to earth as a demonstration of His love is one who is willing to get involved. He is not one who sits back. But rather, He is active and He is engaged. And on this Advent Sunday of love, we're reminded of that. The God that we serve is one who remains active in the world today. And He not only wants us to know Him, but He wants us to know Him more. And because of that, He pursues us. He's willing to get His hands dirty. He is with us and at work even when we don't recognize it. And we can trust that work. The process that He facilitates for us to know Him more is one that we know the outcome of. We can trust it. Matthew 7:11 says this If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him Because God loves you you can trust the work that he's doing in you even when you don't see it, and even when you don't understand it. I want to give you an example from my life. This red New Testament is a Gideon Bible. the front page of it has the sloppy cursive writing of a 12-year-old Jared Katke dated April 30th, 1986. In fact, I wouldn't even have been 12 yet. I would have been 11. I was not at a place in 1986 when I was tuned in to what God was doing in my life. And the Gideons came to my classroom at Mary Morgan Elementary School in Byron, Illinois. And they set a couple of boxes at the front of the room on tables and our teacher had a stand 
and go to the back of the room and form a single file line. And said, anyone who wants one can take it. I was at the end of the line, kind of snickering under my breath with my friends, saying, why would anyone want to take one of those? But then, when I got to the front of the table, I took one because every student in front of me took one. I took it home, I threw it in a drawer, and did not see it for a handful of years. Until one day, about four years later, I was instructed to take the disaster that was my room and to clean it. And what's the fastest way to clean a dirty room? Yeah, you throw everything in drawers, right? Oh, some of you didn't know that. I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> so I open drawers, I'm throwing everything in, things are going under the bed, under the mattress, in the corner of the closet. The room's coming together really nice, but when I opened this drawer, I dropped it. And guess what fell out? It fell open to the Gospel of Matthew. And as I picked it up, I looked at a verse and I read it. And um, the Lord, He touched my heart. Because when I read it, I, I, I felt something that, it's like my life needs this. And the Gideon New Testament went from the drawer to the nightstand. And I started to read it every night before I went to bed. And um, I was reading things that I knew about because I come from a home that, that um, is in church and reads their Bible and talks about the Scripture, but it was the first time it was coming alive to me. And that facilitated a journey in my life back to Christ. You know, and then about a year later, my parents show up here at Rock Church. And my parents say, guess what? You're going to youth group on a Wednesday night. We met in the house on the drive that you passed coming into church today in the living room. The church blew a wall out to open it up. It, it was open concept before open concept was a thing. And uh, my wife was the first one to greet me at the door. Even though she was dating a different guy at the time. It took her a little while to come to her senses. 
And um, I left that service that night, and on the way home back to Byron, my parents said, well, what did you think? And I said, uh, I'm never going back. <laughs> and I'm grateful that in that moment, my mom parented me, and she wasn't worried about being my best friend, you know, because she said, guess what, you're going to go back next week. And as God was at work in my life in ways that I didn't even recognize or understand, it started with this. And then as this began to work in my heart, God planted me in a community that surrounded me and spoke into my life. And those relationships were transformational and things began to move at a quicker pace. And it was all because God loved. And because of his love, he pursues. He is not content in leaving us where we are at, but he wants us to know him more. And the work that he does in those moments is a work that we can trust. Because he gives good things. But you know, I've discovered this about my life. Sometimes I go in his direction. But then there are those times where I go in my own direction. And you know what? God doesn't love us any less when we do that. But rather, he still pursues us. And I want you to see a picture of what that pursuit looks like because... Jesus spoke of it. Luke chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. What man of you having a sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. You see, there's times where I go in the direction that God has, but then there are those times when I go in my own. And when I lead myself into those wanderings, God's love pursues us. And you know what? When He finds us and when we we, 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 we respond to His love. He, he doesn't cut us down, but rather it says He rejoices. You know, today in, in, in worship, as we, as we were opening our hearts to receive the gift that God has given, it, that might be a gift that He had longed for you to receive earlier. But you know what? As you received it today, He rejoiced over your life. And He filled you. And He gave it generously. And He gave it with abundance. Because His love is not only generous, but it pursues us when we go our own way. And the reason why He pursues us is because He wants us to find the fullness and the wholeness of the things that He wants to plant 
within our lives. You see, a part of the rejoicing over the sheep that was found was this. The shepherd was rejoicing in the fact that that lost sheep was going to come back under the covering of protection, was going to come back over the covering of community, was going to come back into a place where it would find the nourishment and the sustenance that it needed to live. Everything that God does in us is done for that very reason. He rejoices because He, he declares because, because my child is turning to me, they're going to experience the fullness of me. But we need to understand that that's his heart. But that we also need to put ourselves in position. To be filled with the things that are in his heart. And here's the reason why I say that. The Bible refers to the days that we live in as perilous days. That means that we live in troubled times. We, we, we live in, in days where there, there is always going to be a pull to go in our direction and to embrace lesser things. Things that fall short of the good things that God has for us. This, this phrase, perilous days, it refers to a moment in history when, when men were going to be characterized by certain things. And then the Scripture gets really, really specific. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5. It's, it's Paul writing to Timothy, a young pastor, and he says, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And then he gives us a list. Buckle your seatbelt. Because he says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. <sighs> Take a deep breath. You know, I can honestly say like Paul, you pulled no punches on that one. He clearly defined a reality that he says we were going to experience in the days that we live. So why do we need to pay attention to that? It's because it's a warning to us. 
Who's Paul writing to? A young pastor pastoring a church. And he's essentially saying, Timothy, look out for these things within the church, you shepherd. And then here's where concern rises within my heart. Today, in these perilous days or these troubled times, within the church itself at large, we don't even get worked up about some of the things that are on that list anymore. They've become so common that they are familiar. Lovers of money. Well, it's just the blessing of God, brother. Maybe it is your God. Proud. Well, we haven't seen any, any pride manifest in this last year that we've had, have we? Disobedient to parents? Well, you know, that's just kind of the way kids are today. We don't even get worked up about these things anymore. We don't even look at them and say they're wrong and that God has something better. Unforgiving? Well, you know what, I'll get there, but not today. Without self-control. You know, this this is kind of what I do to get through the hard times. I find comfort in these things, and because of it, you know, I I, I reach out to them, and I, I have an affinity for them. And Paul says, church, these are all characteristics of being a lover of self. Which at the heart of it is humanism. Placing man in the middle and not God. And I I share that today because, look, I'm I'm not endeavoring to put a weight on anybody, but rather, I'm bringing the Word of God to you today to open your eyes to a reality that says if you have embraced something that is lesser, God has something better. And because He loves us, He pursues us. And He doesn't let those things be in operation in us unchecked, but rather, He wants to open our eyes so that we can can see things from a reality of truth and then open our hearts to receive His transformation so that we can be a lover of God and not a lover of self. God loves us when we are in those places. And because of that, He pursues us. And His heart for that pursuit is this end. It is for a new exodus in your life. See, we got a whole book of the Bible about an exodus. The children of Israel leaving the bondage of Egypt and and, and coming into 
the promised land. But you know what? That was not the only exodus. You see, you might, you might characterize your journey in this way. You, you, you see your conversion moment as an exodus out of sin and into new life in Christ. But the reality is this. The Lord wants to facilitate more than one exodus in your life. And it looks like this. Jeremiah 31, verses 3 and 4. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will rebuild you and you shall be rebuilt. Who is he writing that to? He's writing that to the nation of Israel as they are in exile. Not in Egypt, but under the authority of a different kingdom. And he's saying to them, while you are in this place, I am loving you with an everlasting love, and because of my loving kindness, I am going to draw you, and I am going to rebuild you. And verses later, saying it is going to be defined by you returning to the land of promise. So you see, the Lord loves us, and because He loves us, He pursues us. And the aim of that pursuit is to lead you home into a land of promise and out of exile, out of bondage, out of the control of something that is not His. So today... Advent brings us back to a place where we have to contemplate a couple of questions. The first one is, how is God pursuing you? And then a little bit more specifically, what does the Lord in His love desire to lead you out of? How is God pursuing you and what does the Lord in His love desire to lead you out of? His love was manifest in that He sent His Son to die for us. And the love of God is defined and recognized by its generosity and its pursuit how does the Lord want you to experience that today? Would you stand with me as we close in a word of prayer? And why don't we shift gears a little bit? You've been listening. Now I want you to start talking to the Lord. Okay. We've um, received His Word today. And now as you begin to talk to Him, 
You'll begin to ask him how he wants to bring application to your life. So why don't we make this a prayer moment, a time of reflection where we humble our hearts and surrender our lives. I want to just give you a moment to, to have that conversation with the Lord. God is working in you in some way. You know, I want to just pray for you, and I'd like to know who you are by just seeing a hand raised, just saying, you know what? God in His love is pursuing me today. He's, he's wanting to maybe, you know, disconnect some earthly attachment and attach you to Him in a greater way. If that's you today, just let me know who you are by raising a hand. I want to pray for you today. Yeah. Lord God, we respond to you today. We open our hearts, Lord God, to you today. And we say we trust you. And we acknowledge that you are the giver of all good things. And Lord, I pray that in all of us today, may we receive those things. May we experience your love and your goodness and your mercy. New in our lives today as we remember that it was your love that sent Christ to this world to die for us. And Lord, I thank you for that. I pray that what you have started today, may it go throughout the week. And may it multiply. May it consume. And may you give us opportunity to share it. Every head remaining bowed and every eye remaining closed. You might be here today and maybe you've not received Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you might be in this room or you might be at home. And today you recognize that the, the first step of encountering God's love is to, is to receive Him as your Lord and Savior. And that begins with a prayer of faith. It begins with an acknowledgement of your need for Him and a response that says, Lord, forgive me, I make you the Lord of my life and I want to follow you all of the days that you give me. And if you're here today and you say, you know what, I want to, I want to take that step. Would you just acknowledge that you're taking that step by raising a hand because we want to pray a prayer with you today. And it might be a prayer that is, that is um, establishing relationship for the first time, but it also might be a prayer that is reestablishing that commitment again because you've, you're coming out of a season where you've wandered and you're saying now, Lord, I'm coming back home to you. If that's you, would you just raise a hand? I want to see who you are. Okay, I see that hand. Anyone else today? Anyone else today? Okay, both here and at home, would you just repeat this prayer after me? And, and for some, they're, they're, they're establishing a relationship with Christ today through this prayer and and in others are affirming their relationship with Christ today as we pray it. But let's just um, pray it 
together, line by line. Would you say with me, Oh God, I am a sinner, but I'm willing to turn from my sin. But I need your help. I receive Christ into my heart by faith. I want Him to be Lord of my life from this moment on. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, we thank You for that faith response, Lord, both here and at home. And Lord, I pray that today, that as as we open our hearts to You, fill us to overflow, that Your abundance be in our lives. And Lord, I pray that that uh, some are establishing that as a, as a first step commitment of faith in you today, Lord God. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, Lord God. Lift them up today. We rejoice today because your word says that the angels rejoice when one responds to faith in Christ and establishes him as Lord. So Lord, we rejoice here on earth along with them today. And Lord, we pray your protection. We pray your covering. We pray your life over each one. And we ask, Lord, that you would guard them and keep them and protect them. And do so, Lord, for us as we leave here today. May your grace and your mercy and your peace go before us. And we thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. We hope this has been a blessing in your life. And we look forward to having you joining us in person for a service soon. Our service times are Thursday nights at 7 o'clock and two services on Sunday morning at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. God bless you.